Good, good morning, Willie. Morning, Schwartzy. You having a good week? I am having a good week. Uh, we just broke a record, though. What's the record? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Jill. How long did this take? <laughs> I, <laughs> I prefer not to speak about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We won't lose our manners, but uh, it is a silversmith thing I've discovered, Schwartzy. This is, it's silversmiths. No. No, I don't no. think that's fair. I think that, if anything, I just troubleshot anything that could go wrong with the podcast for you. So now you have it all ready to rock for any any problems you might encounter in the future. I, so technically, even though it took me a while this morning, you've saved time. You've already taught us something. I totally agree. I will also Probably. say, Schwartz, I'll also say this. You know, when we had Scott on and I was FaceTiming with Scott, looking at his computer, and he was holding the phone sideways, and I had a crick in my neck by the time we fought it. Finally, I didn't have to do a damn thing for Jill, but just listen. It was awesome, right? <laughs> Jill did it all. <laughs> this is way good. The problem is we'll learn what we learned today. We'll forget it next time we have any trouble. That'll be set. You won't. We'll, we'll I won't put Jill back on. Jill's new technical support. So who's, we we need a Schwartz, proper introduction here, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. So, who's Jill? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Tina Turner. Turn, Tina Turner passed away there a couple of weeks ago. You heard that, didn't you? Yes. So the one of the great queens of rock and roll. Uh-huh. Well, we have on the podcast today the heir apparent. A true rock star within a, an emerging rock star within the silversmith world, none other than Jill. Help me with your last name. No, go ahead and try it. You can do it. <laughs> Which uh, one? That's the problem. Yamati. That was close. Latino Yamati. La- yeah, Latino Yamate rhymes with karate. Okay. Ah, there you go. Apron with a C and we got karate called a mnemonic device when you have a way to remember a word like that. Well, it's what happens yeah. when you're a small child with a very long last name that's hard to pronounce. So I've pronounced it for people my whole life. <laughs> Kindergarten was a booger bear, wasn't it? Writing all that stuff down. <laughs> oh, well. well. Cool. Glad you're here. Welcome to our wild world, wild west world. On uh, Carrie and Willie here, Jill. She she you're from uh, Oregon, Eastern Oregon, yes. Central Oregon. Uh, no, Central. We're, I'm pretty much smack dab in the middle of the state. I'm in Central Oregon. Um, in in Culver. I'm about 45 minutes to an hour from Bend, north of Bend. And you're raising cool. kids. I you're no raising cattle, and you're scratching silver. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, I'm attempting to do all of them at the same time. But yes, we're we're trying our best over here. Well, your podcast, I mean, your podcast, your social media is very informative and uh, shows all of your skills of life. And that's awesome. I think that's a cool thing. So what I'm going to do, Willie, uh, I told you earlier this morning that uh, I did a podcast with, with, Shep Herman from my Patreon page there yesterday, and we discovered a secret to the riddle of my latency, my delayed disposition here. 
So what I'm going to mm-hmm. do is exit out of my my uh, camera, which may help with my latency. So I'm not so delayed. But you guys will have to be looking at a blank screen when you look at my my little segment on here. So it's so much I could say there, Shorty, but I like you too much. I won't say any of it. <laughs> now I can see you, but you can't see me. So this is a problem, though, because you obviously know that I'm going to be talking, and I need to shut up every now and then let you talk. And now I can't see your mouth moving. I can't wave. I can't raise my hand, and you. No, you can't wave. You your call hand. on me in class. Yeah, oh, just start okay. barking over there, Will. <laughs> Hopefully, right, Jill. You got to help me with this. Shut up, Wilson. That's okay. You can see it turn purple when he starts talking. Oh, say something, Schwartzy. Check one, two, three, four. Oh yeah. Oh it yeah. The whole purple. It does. The frame. It did. picks up the audio for you with a visual. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The wonders of yeah. technology. So, well, Jill, how long <laughs> you been doing silver work? Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, very a very very condensed version is that. I used to work in vet medicine for a long time. I was a tech um, in large and small animal, but one of my favorite parts of it was when I was working off the racetracks um, outside of Ione. Um, We did a lot of um, the vet that I worked for at the time was a large animal repro vet. So we got to do a lot of large animal reproduction stuff. Um, It was great. I loved it. I got a little bored in my off time. We didn't have good internet. We did not have cable. We did not have TV where I was living. Um, just crappy service. And so I started beating because I thought that would be cool. Um, so yeah, we, we all wore some really ugly necklaces for a hot second. (laughs) And then I moved back home after that stint, um, and went back to vet med and was working just science like normal. And then, uh, I had my son and I got stir crazy at home. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I don't sit well. Um, and I don't, um, I don't have idle hands. <laughs> so I got a little stir crazy and I decided to start making some jewelry again because it was, it was fun for me to research that. And then after I started that, then I started stamping metal and then I started soldering metal. And then at well over a decade later, here I am now engraving and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, I've been full time for the last 10 years, uh, with a huge focus in fabrication. And I recently added engraving in just a couple years ago. So cool. that's kind of the gist. Well, one of our big deals, right? Schwartz, it was, it was, uh, one of the questions, I shouldn't say big deals. One of our questions here lately is how do you get started? And, uh, I'll let you answer it for sure. Jill. And, and um, you know, the conversation go a lot of different ways here, but that is, that is a big question for lots of folks. Like, how do I get going? And, you know, like my synopsis of you, what you just said there was you were tired of sitting around. So you just went to doing stuff, right? You just like, let's just make it. You had a job. You were stir crazy and didn't want to be stir crazy. So you got going, but now here you are, what, 10, 12 years later rocking and rolling and and uh, it's evolved into one thing or the next but how would you answer the question specifically like what what do you see 
Well, um, it's interesting. This question is interesting when you break it down and you're asking me my specific opinion on it. Uh, it's a question that I get asked all the time. I, um, I do ter currently teach fabrication classes and, um, as you've seen, you actually got to see one mm -hmm. <laughs> it go. Witnessed it, yeah. Um, but one of the most common questions that I get on the internet, uh, and that I try and, and remain so accessible for is how do you get started? Well, there's a lot of variables in that, right? Absolutely. But simply, simply as you just get started. So now that you've decided to get started, how do you go forth with that? Well, you've got to decide there's numerous factors. You've got to decide how far you can travel, what aspects you want to lean towards learning first, um, how to get a good foundation on your learning. So then you can branch out and who, who do you ask and where do you go? Um, for most people, if they, if they, most people who reach out to me, probably 75% or more want to come take a class. They've specifically sought me out. They like my work. They've heard that we teach classes. They want to come do something typically at an event in a group setting. Um, I have a small ratio of students that ask to come directly to my house. I do take students here in the studio as well. Um, but there is another group of people who go, I just want to get started. Mm. Where do I get started? Uh, and the first thing that I typically ask them is if they know of any artists in the surrounding area in, in something that they're interested in learning. Um, I am a pain. <laughs> I do do strongly. The foundation of learning is really important to me. And, and when you break down anything, whether you're engraving or you're fabricating or you're a bench jeweler, the one thing that's in common across the, the border is, is the basics. And I think that everybody needs to at least start at the basics, learn the basics, and then everything else that you add in is going to be easy, right? You don't build a house without a concrete foundation. Uh, I know this for a fact because the house that I'm currently sitting in, you can see, is not hmm. on a foundation. And, and, and the problems that occur later on, you don't even know are going to be problems, right? Because when you start and you start learning anything, um, you don't even know what to ask right? So you want to mm. learn how to engrave, or you want to learn how to fabricate, or you want to learn how to be a bit and spur maker, you want to learn rawhide, you, you know that you want to learn. And you know, that it's something that you desire. And so you go, Oh, I'll just ask, but we don't even know what to ask, right? So everybody right. that's open says just ask questions. Well, what questions do we ask? Well, you need to ask this. Well, how would I know to ask that? So you bring it down to the basics and I recommend my top three choices of recommendation for learning are, do you have local community college classes that offer it? There's tons of, tons of community colleges that have silver classes, soldering classes, basic, basic trade classes for these traditional arts. And they're becoming more popular as time goes on because those classes are filling. So the more classes we fill, the more classes get made due to supply and demand. And it goes like that. The other one is, do you have somebody local nearby that you know exists that does it? Like if you live in Cristobal, you'd be like, oh, snap. Hey, mm -hmm. hey, Wilson, <laughs> is it a possibility for me to come see the shop and see what I'd be getting into and have you help facilitate where I should start? What yeah. do you what do you believe are the basics that I should start at? So reaching out to people. So community college classes or courses that are offered nearby you are an easy, cheap way to decide if you like it. Reaching out to people who are currently in the industry and asking them for help in the direction to go. Um, and then also not to sell myself short, but classes at events. 
Art of the yeah. Cowgirl, Cowgirl Art Rodier. I mean, as time goes on, there's more and more classes. You guys offer classes um, mm. through the TCAA and group settings and stuff like that. Um, and that's a really good way to get started because not only are you learning from whoever is teaching, but you're also learning from the, the people you're sitting next to and the other students in the class because most likely your class is not just going to be beginners. Somebody's going to have started somewhere. Somebody's going to see it differently than you. Somebody's going to know somebody. And all of a sudden you start with an immediate community. Totally agree. Sorcy, you better get started talking or I'm going to take off and you won't <laughs> never talk. Or I won't stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's on a roll. This is This is great stuff. Two yeah. thoughts I have, though. I, you said you started out with this kind of specializing in fabrication, and that's usually just the opposite of what most people they get buy a set of string conchos from X Y Z and start scratching on them, right? And, yeah. and which I find very fascinating. Which also alludes to what you said earlier about start with the basics. You you, uh, and that's what I see in my in my trade. People want to start with the hardest thing in the world to make, and that's a saddle, instead of getting handy with making a belt. Start out with a belt. Start out with the basic stuff, and the things that you learn on the accessories items are the things you transfer easily to the bigger, more challenging stuff. So I, I think it's awesome advice. Well, with wasn't if you don't want to say anything, I'll just keep talking. But <laughs> I feel like at this point, everybody knows that if you ask me a question, I'm going to have 45 answers and probably 25 more questions. Um, so two things. One, yes, I have noticed and it's it's been uh, an interesting journey for me as an engraver that my background was fabrication first. A lot of people have said to me, oh, you picked up engraving so fast. Oh, you're just, you're just naturally good at it. Um, I'm sure there is a component where I might be naturally good at it. Uh, but besides the fact that I'm a super intense human being when it comes to learning something, um, and I take that way too far, uh, I understand the metals, right? So, so engraving or removing metal with a tool, I the more of the metal that I understand how the metal works and how it it moves, essentially, the easier it is for me to understand how to use that tool on this basic metal piece that I already know so much about. So I've noticed that, um, and I'm a big advocate in, in people starting at the basics. I don't think, I, I mean, what do they say that the... the the best way to go fast is to go slow because yeah, slow you down. get good. The best way to get good or fast is to go slow. And, and I really, you can't skip the basics on anything. And I think that, I just think that the more about the metal that you know, the easier things are going to come to you because I'm not going to have to learn how that metal works while I'm also learning how to engrave it. All I'm doing now at this point of engraving is learning how whatever specific tool I'm using works on that metal. So I think that in retrospect, I did myself a world of favors, not knowing I was ever going to be an engraver. But I think it almost gives me an advantage in a weird way that I'm so comfortable with metal. Well, you're not scared of it, right? 
and, and yeah. scratching away. And, and the, the true key to engraving ultimately, as you're probably figuring out is becoming comfortable with the pencil and, uh, whether it's no different in, in our engraving or Carrie's flower carving or what's doing is it's design and, and, and that's the ultimate goal and accomplishment as an engraver is the design work. Um, the mechanics is always there. We'll always, um, concentrate on them and focus on how the, how the tool goes through the material. But the, ultimately it's design is what makes the separation between all of us. Yeah. Once you get there. Well, so awesome. It's so awesome that you break it down to Jill and that, you know, uh, like you're talking about the community colleges and all the different things I say as a bit and spur maker, uh, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none to become a pretty damn good bit and spur maker. So the better welder I am, the better silversmith I am, the better engraver I am, the better fabricator I am, the better machinist I am. All these different things can all be learned at the community college for the most part where there's no course for bit and spur making. But the better you are at each one of the little tasks that we do, and if you can break down your discipline as to what is it that I'm going to be able to accomplish uh, or that I need to use to accomplish the end goal, the better you'll be. And that's well, available. There's one thing that we all have in common, right? For all of these. So so your main question of today's podcast is how do you get started? Well, mm -hmm. how do you get started in these traits? Well, whether it's any any of the disciplines that you guys hold near and dear to these traditional traits, but the one thing that is in common with all of it is you're using your hands. Yeah. You're using your hands. So just like riding a bike, the more you use your hands, the easier stuff becomes, the smoother it, it comes and all of that. Your hand dexterity plays such a huge role in these traditional traits. So for a lot of people, I always have people that just want to rush and learn, right? Well, we, mm -hmm. I just want to start engraving. Well, it's not going to feel good when you start because trust me, <laughs> I look at some of those practice plates and I'm like, ah, Right. It, it's a, a hard craft to learn. Um, but the one thing that you can learn is hand dexterity. So the more you learn about the metals or the more you learn about how anything works and all of these small things, all of the small things together add up to be something big. And that ends up being careers for a lot of us. Absolutely. I bet you have a comment on hand dexterity, Schwartzy. I don't see any purple on your screen over there trying to talk, <laughs> but I bet you have something to say. No, it's uh, the magic happens right on the edge of our abilities, um, and and you don't know what you got going until you actually put your hand to it, and uh, that's the the physicality of what we do uh, is undeniable. And I and we talked about this, I think, the last podcast with Cindy Kittredge is that uh, we're Americans are starved for hands-on accomplishment. And that's part of the reason we're even on here having this discussion is Jill, it was an acute dilemma that you face. You had to have something to do with your hands. Mm -hmm. And I, I would make the case that I think everybody's got that. It's just that it's more of a, it's just more of a drive in some people than others. And it's practically dead or killed off in other people. And we're trying to kind of stir the pot, get people hands on metal, hands on leather and uh, get something going with that. But uh, you you talked about the the community college situation and stuff like that. It's always amazing to me when I teach a flower stamping class, flower design, flower stamping class, I ask, so has anybody taken an art class? It's a rare individual that shows up in one of my classes that has any kind of art 
background <laughs> at all, any kind of formal training, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I did and, fine art in school. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's uh and and we're asking and we're asking people to make something pretty. Well, that's all art. Right. You're going to need to know some principles of art going back to what Willie's early conversation you had with your dad. Well, now right. we're going to have to start a conversation about art. And yeah. part of the cowboy world is kind of allergic to that. And it shouldn't be. Well, you think of artists and you, you think of uh, studios and paint and, and fine art. Yeah. Fine art. Right. And which, what the hell are we doing? That's that's what we're all trying to accomplish is fine art. But if for some reason, it being a um, well in the cowboy world, it has to work, right? So also, that's not art. That's a tool. That's function. And um, uh, so we eliminate ourselves from the art aspect of it, which is which is sad, right? Because it, it I don't art is in everything, and my it took my dad a little while to get me to understand that, and and I think. I would say now, um, you two can comment on this, but I would say now that that argument is, is, uh, better received. Like our, our craft world says, Oh yeah, it is art at whatever level. Right. And they may call us artists at, at the, at the high end level, but they're starting to embrace it. I would hope, would think. Well, I think that a lot of it has to do with how we perceive ourselves is, sure. is how the outside world starts to perceive us. So fine art is now functional art, that mm. the keyword being art, right? So we have these pieces that are functional because we can't just hang it on the wall like a painting. It has a purpose. Right. But if you right. take that purpose and you can make it art, now we're doing this thing where we're, it's, it's, I think it's coming all the way around. And not only are people perceiving it different, but I think it, it comes off the basis that we're perceiving our own work differently as well. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And uh, we've talked about this before in meetings and other discussions. I've probably written about this. And what we do, in effect, is is three-dimensional sculpture. It's, it's three-dimensional art. Yeah. But there's a fourth dimension, and that is that it's functional. And uh, so when you, you uh, start digging around in that fourth dimension – Rather than being value taken away, that should be value added, shouldn't it? I would agree. You're adding another yeah. whole dimension to to what would otherwise be a sculpture that's sitting in your great room. Well, it's great. Great piece of art. Great to look at. All that kind of stuff. Not one thing other than maybe a paperweight or a doorstop. It has no functional aspect to it at all. But we combine all those things into four-dimensional art pieces of art. So I really? wonder why it is. Wonder why that our that our um, value seems to go down when you can use it. Now all of a sudden, it's not worth as much because exactly. you can use it. I don't understand that. I don't either. Well, oh, well, we can loop this back around, and we can add a couple of things to this conversation. Um, so one, one of the things that I'm hearing in this conversation that we're having, it's a conversation that everybody has, right? We're all having the same mm. conversation. Well, shouldn't it be worth more if it does more things? Or shouldn't it do this if it does this thing? Well, it comes down to perception, right? Like, 
it, at the end of the day, you have to perceive it yourself in order to put that out there and say, no, this is worth that. And then people go, you're right. You made a great point for that. It is worth it. So, so we need to, we need to speak on behalf of our work and, and stand firm in decisions that we make as far as pricing accordingly. The other thing that we also have to take into account is who's buying our work. The majority of the guys that buy or purchase usable pieces from us, the vast majority are not going to be collectors. So you've got to decide on where your artwork goes, right? Who Who's going to be buying your artwork? And I know this is a conversation that Wilson has a lot about um, your end goal or your customer base, right? Because essentially we cater to our customer base because they're who support our artwork in whatever realm that we have it sitting in. Mm-hmm. Um to now take this whole conversation and wrap it back around for the start of this podcast, which is how do you get started <laughs> in the industry? Yeah. Um, I have a question actually for both Carrie and Wilson and how do you help facilitate uh, people getting started in an industry that has been vastly known for not being helpful to each other. And, and nowadays like we, we still hear that, right? Well, nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to tell me anything. Everything is kept in the dark. I learned it the hard way. You have to learn it the hard way. I, I know that we are not like that. I don't teach my classes like that. You guys aren't teaching like that. So how are we helping facilitate these newcomers finding their footing and getting started? Well, you go first, Schwartzy, because you know I got a lot to say. <laughs> Well, I think we we put just... our money where we put our money where our mouth is, right? I mean, I yeah. uh we talked about the TCAA being a volunteer service organization that doesn't resonate with some of our members, but the reality is it is. And yeah. what what is it for? It's a noble cause of educating, bringing along, preserving, promoting, bringing along the next uh, generation of people. Here's what I the way I look at it. I'm riding a saddle horse down the trail and I whack my head on a limb that I didn't see. And <laughs> I've got a guy right behind me or a gal, whatever. Isn't it my moral obligation to turn around and say, friend, you can do whatever you want, yep. but there's a limb right there. Yep. Isn't that, isn't that our, our, our obligation? That's the way I feel about it. Yes. I, I- I agree 110%. Why why let somebody bang their head against the wall that you just finished banging your head against the wall if there's a, a quicker route around it? And, and you know what? Where we get caught up, and I'm sitting here thinking about that because we get some kickback every now and then. Well, that's not how I want to do it. We don't have to do it. You can do it however the hell you want, right? I mean, you can hit your head on the branch. And, and I mean, you can do, for some reason, some people have to invent the wheel themselves. I have some very close friends. They want to invent the wheel themselves. I'm the opposite of that guy, right? I want to know exactly the best from the best so that then I can pick up close to where they leave me and, and go forward and not have to reinvent the wheel. Um, but for some reason, our culture, um, sometimes seems to want to invent the wheel themselves and that's okay. Um, but, yeah, we need to share. And there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Shorty, how much money are you getting paid for this podcast? I'm I'm hemorrhaging money, right? <laughs> Wait, I'm not getting paid for this? <laughs> yeah, you might be. You might be. Me and Shorty aren't. I'm going to send Bill. I'm going to send Jill a bill 
Yeah, there you go. For the time it took me to set this up. This yeah. Morning. Um. Well, have I bet I'm going to take this opportunity that there's a full podcast and all these people have to listen to me to talk about opinions really quick because I think opinions are are something that people take for granted and we don't talk about, but it is a huge part of the learning process and getting started. Um, but what do they say about opinions and what's the truth about opinion? If you ask me for my opinion, yep. then I give it to you. Now you're holding it in your hands, right? You have my opinion. Uh, you don't have to argue with me. Uh, you can share your opinion back if you'd like. You can take my opinion and you can pick a few pieces out of it and toss the rest in the trash, or you can toss the whole thing in the trash. But if you ask somebody for their p- opinion, whether it's in a professional setting or not, it it's your job to listen to it. And then you get to decide what to do with it. Now it's yours to do something with it. Toss it in the trash. I don't care. But if you ask somebody in a professional capacity for their opinion and they give it to you, that is just that. It's their opinion and it's their viewpoint. And I think that we're starting to get so wrapped up in things that a lot of people are having a hard time learning. Because like, so I talked to Scott the other day and we had a really nice phone conversation. Um, basically just me asking for help <laughs> because I said, hey, look at this practice plate. And he gave me his thoughts. And one of the things he said was, this is just my opinion on how this should be done. And um, it was awesome because it mm-hmm. is his opinion on how it should be done. And what I need to do is learn from everybody else's opinions and what everybody else does and decides and try all of these different things to see what works for me. I can't yeah. say, oh, that's not going to work for me if I haven't tried it. It's just like getting a kid to eat a vegetable that you know is not going to be a big issue. But they're like, I don't like that. Well, how do you know you don't like that? Right. How do you know it's not going to work? Um, so that's that'd be my only advice. The other thing is is and I've been asked several times is is what makes a good student, right? So you want to learn, you want to get started. The only thing I require for my students is the desire to learn, because I can teach you anything else. You want to solder something completely ridiculous? You can ask a student of mine, Becca. We used potatoes to get it soldered together. It has six sides. It was hard. But we did it. And I told Becca, I said, we can do anything. The thing is, is the only thing I cannot teach somebody is the desire to learn. So as long as you have the desire to learn, no matter how you get started, you will be successful. I don't think I can let this go further without trying to understand how a potato worked in the soldering process. <laughs> so um, <laughs> another thing to this, that's perfect timing, Wilson. One more lecturing spot of mine for everybody trying go. to get ready to learn is that you don't have to have all the fancy tools in the world yeah. to do hard things or have a successful shop. Um, uh, we so were used it for a holding. Yeah, we yeah. were soldering. Um, I needed to uh, relocate the heat on a piece so we were soldering a one two three four five sided pendant thing that we were doing i was like oh this will be fine and we needed to hold it together and titanium clips um i have a hard time with because of my hand dexterity uh so i don't use them and a lot of times uh if you're applying a lot of heat you can't use uh, tweezers or anything right because that's going to focus the heat onto that spot so we had to troubleshoot um so we used potatoes uh, it smells awful. Works great, like a charm. Doesn't smell like McDonald's French fries. Nope, it smells terrible. So, um, well ventilated <laughs> so area. Did... That's very interesting, huh? 
Well, and that's problem solving, right? Is that not what we're doing as craftsmen and artists? Oh, no, it's yeah, just problem no. solving. There's no tool in the world that's going to problem solve for you. So you might as well get good at problem solving in the beginning. No, for sure. I mean, that's and it's it's all problem solving the whole the whole situation. Huh. So there's a side of things here that I have called you and said, Jill, hey, I need help. I need, I need, I need advice. And uh, it was after Art of the Cowgirl this year. And uh, uh, when I met you two years, two Art of the Cowgirls away uh, ago, and and uh, as I was helping with the bits, and and you were there as a past master, well, or a current master. I don't know what you were. You were you're a master. No, actually, master to be Cowgirl. fair, they've never let me be a master. So oh, no? the, yeah, they switched a bit in spur makers instead of silversmiths. So that's what I chalk oh. it up to. I mean, it couldn't possibly be because there's yes. more qualified people, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well. uh, in 2021. So the year that I met you, I was actually, uh, I built a bit through art of the cowgirl and I was also teaching. So I've taught with them for about four years now. Um, well. but the year that I met you was the year I received the fellowship and was presenting my bit. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, and then it was with Amy, right? That yeah. You did the cool. Well, I've called and asked you, and, and uh, from the the branding situation, the marketing, what you have. I mean, uh, your social media platform is huge and awesome, and and the way people know about you, um, attend your classes. It's it's not an accident. It's and it's not just because you're pretty and a lady, right? There's other things going on there, and. Uh, uh, me and Schwartzy would like to blame it on you being prettier than us, but I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot. <laughs> we have a hard time getting anybody to come to ours, and yours is busting at the seams. But um, you're good at that. You're really good at the marketing and branding, and and that's a, a whole nother skill set that is crucial to the business plan and the business model. Yeah. Uh, how'd you get the business? How'd you get the social media thing kicking so good? Um, I would love to say because I'm super extroverted and it comes really easy to me, um, but I hate social media. I hate social media. I um, I am socially awkward. I have the worst anxiety when it comes to. Okay, so for example, I will see you guys in October, right? You think that I haven't overthought this 245 times already, and it's June. Um, so yeah, so I will even go over what I'm going to say to people in my head. I really struggle with that. But the one thing, the one thing I noted in the beginning of all of this is that if you are personable and open and honest, people relate to that. They relate to that on such a level that I can't even begin to describe. Uh, our lifestyles don't have to be the same. Uh, there, the more open you are about who you are as a person and the more you talk to somebody and just just genuinely talk to people, the more they connect to you on a level that it's, it's kind of hard to explain. So what I always say to is, is tier your work, right? We, we have to tier our work. There has to be, there, we can't participation trophy ourselves to death. Um, mm -hmm. And I am the mother of small children and I do know how hard it is to say stuff like that, but it's true. Our work does get tiered, but, but you are not your work. Your work is a component or a side of you that you do, but you are not your work. So your work, like Wilson, you're a great example. Your work's like all the way up here. But mm. that doesn't mean that that's exactly where you are at all times. You're personable and reachable to all of these different levels of people, right? right. You don't even think twice, right? You just connect with whoever's in front of you. Uh, when you break down marketing or branding in any aspect, 
uh, you have to ask yourself a handful of hard questions. What do I want my target audience to look like? Mm. Who, who is my customer base that I am going to be catering to? Because just like in real life, you cannot make everybody happy. And then, so you, so you make those decisions, right? Like, this is what I want my customer base to look like. This is what I want my business to look like. And, and now you have this nice foundation <laughs> to build there off of. Um, but the one thing that I encourage everybody strongly to do is to be personable, have fun with it. Because Carrie met me um, two years ago in Oklahoma um, and I talked his ear off as per usual. I think I joined a conversation I wasn't even in. I think he was talking to Matt <laughs> at the bar the first night we were all there, kind of maybe the second night. And I just chimed in, of course, because I listen to every of these conversations because I'm nosy. Um, and I was talking to Carrie and um, Matt, and we were talking about that. But people, why do people buy your work? Why do people take classes from you? You asked me, how do you, how are you selling your classes out? And I said, that's a good question, Wilson, because we talked about the price of the classes. Your classes mm. are super affordable to people and you're one of the best. So it's like, why, 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 like we have to decide, like, why are these not selling out or why is my class not selling or why, you know, yeah. but the number one thing is that, that it's a personal thing, right? People want to be a part of something. And what I was talking to Carrie and Matt about is that, People want to see the process of you building something because that that lets them belong as a part of the process. People inherently want to belong somewhere. Like you guys have this group of you that get together and you guys are trying to promote these traditional trades that are very important to you. But it's a group where you guys belong and it's about something that you guys want to be a part of. So the same thing breaks down to marketing is my customers want to be included in the process. They want to feel like they're a part of something. So when they purchase something from me, the majority of them are not buying it just because of what it is, but because of who made it, how it was made, and where it's coming from. Can you imagine why we're friends, Gary, <laughs> me and Jill? you got a smile on your face. You can't see the <laughs> smile on my face. She's I know ringing a bell. Though, she's ringing a bell. She's, 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 uh, I knew what her answer would be. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, my best answer is, and I've literally said it probably four times to people this week, is keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And it's it's the, the light way of saying it's more simple than we make it out to be. We, we have all of these ideas for these great big businesses. But again, just like the foundation of fabrication and the foundation of your career and the foundation of your business, the thing that's in common is literally the foundation. And what better foundation than to be on the same page with the customer base that you helped facilitate and choose for yourself and they stand up and support you every day because they believe in you because you've included them in this journey. Yeah. So, so one, of, one of the things I say, Jill, after I get to know an individual a while, I can't say it the first day because they won't know where I'm coming from. But um, this art is not about you. It's not it, it's not about me. Right. My art is not about me. Um, my art has to be about my customer and, and their story of the West. And it's my job to to tell that story in my work. Do I run the pencil? Yes. Do they? No. But it, but so my hands are still creating it. But I incorporate the individual into the process immediately so that they take ownership and, 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 and get to have a say in what it is. Otherwise, they can go to the feed store and get a bid any day they want. It's going to work just as good, right? It's, it's um, literally the, the story. 
Yeah, it's the story and how and how I tell their story. And if I don't let that person involved, if I'm not an approach an approachable, personable guy that they can connect with, they don't want to show up. And I don't know why my classes, my my next class, my last two classes, I was probably doing too damn many of the damn things. I don't know, but they're filling up, right? We're good. So thank you for the help. <laughs> but <laughs> but but uh, the connection with the customer is what it's all about, and that's not about me, right? It's not about me. It's about them. Well, one of the things that, that we, it's hard to see outside your bubble, right? So mm-hmm. before you, when you guys were asking me my opinion on how to get started and stuff, I was like, well, this is my opinion. But this comes from my opinion of being a single mom with two kids at home. We raised, I was like, this is my own specific opinion that, that I have a little bit more of an outreach because I work with so many students on a regular basis. So I answer this a lot, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's just one, one narrow opinion. But one of the things that makes the Western industry so awesome is that even though we've had a hard time with being inclusive and we have had a hard time with sharing and we've had a hard time with all these things to the point that it has very negatively affected our industry. The one thing that remains true throughout all of it and all of the ups and downs and all of the changes that are being made is that like, I mean, how many people are watching is it, it's Yellowstone. I'm a Longmire fan, so it almost sounds like absurd coming out of my mouth, but Yellowstone, for example. Now, is that the best depiction of the West? No, but is everybody wanting to be a part of something because it's about the West? Yes. So we can take that and put it in our work and reach so many more people that aren't even a part of the Western industry. So the more we include people, the bigger our industry gets, the bigger our industry gets, the more we all start learning. And I mean, your brand is big. Um, lots of people know about you and, and uh, you have plenty to do. You're completely inclusive with other people and it's just helping it grow, right? By letting other people, uh, other makers doing the same thing. The podcast here, that's the purpose of the podcast. One of the purposes, personal purposes, I should say for myself is people know who I am, get to know me, that I am, I'm a nice guy, right? And you were scared to death to come up and see me at the Art of the Cowgirl. It took you at least two and a half minutes before you walked over there and started doing my ear. Well, in my defense, <laughs> have you seen me interact with people? <laughs> yeah. No. So, so, you know, you talked about, so you did, you said you're socially awkward and you run through that, the conversations yeah. in your head. Me too. That's exactly. I mean, you would, people may say, no way, Wilson, are you shy? Oh no, we're both weirdos. That's why we're friends now. <laughs> Georgie too, right? <laughs> But it is. But Jerry's over there all happy that we can't see I'm the, him. I'm the odd one out. I'm the only <laughs> yeah, no. non-weird one. Oh, no. You're weird now because me and Jill are alike. No. Hey. So we're, we're scared to death that talks. All we do is talk. Well, it's not that. I'd like to say <laughs> it's not my fault. In February, two years ago, when you guys had the bit in the uh not the bit the forum right so the silversmith and saddle makers forum um i asked kent mccorkle at the time i said kent called me and i i was like well i know nobody else has asked you this because i've already talked to everybody else i was like but what's our pay to play right like you guys are inviting us to this forum and it's really cool and i don't know how you found me on the internet but now you can't take it back so here i come um and kent said uh, you just have to interact and you have to talk and you have to share your opinion. And I was like, oh, got it. 
So I showed up in February two years ago, and I have not stopped talking to you guys since. And were you a fan? Were you a fan before? So I wasn't. Say it. I wasn't Say it. not a fan. Say it. <laughs> Everybody's all waiting. Uh, I wasn't not a fan. I didn't know. I didn't know. Right. I didn't even know. So this and this ties into you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. So I didn't even know the TCA was a thing until three years ago. And yes, I applied the first year out of the gate because I didn't know. And I won't take that back. Um, uh, I was, I did do a book and it was really pretty. Um, I made Mm -hmm. some massive errors in that fellowship book, but I took it and I asked questions and I redid it. Here we are two years later, but. Where are we here two years later? I'll let you say that. Well, the TCA decided to let me come in next year as the fellowship recipient, so I'm just going to continue to bug everybody. So, I'm really so excited. you didn't you didn't get mad and throw your book away and we're a bunch of turds because we didn't let you in. What you 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 took the you took the negative experience and that's a chauvinistic we, pigs. <laughs> a uh, bunch of boys won't let the girl in. You're a good old boys club. That yeah. stuff. No, I um. Well, this is a good example. Wilson, when you first met me, I brought my bit over and I was all smiles, right? All smiles. Yeah. I was like, look at it. I built a bit. And I was so excited. Yes. Um, uh, Wilson didn't like any part of it. Nothing, <laughs> I did not do that to you. <laughs> nothing was inherently bad about my bit. It was well made. It's still my first one. And he was very, very, very careful with how he spoke about it. But I was like, no, come on, let me have it. Like this is, I, I would be... Um, it would be amiss if I did not take the opportunity to ask somebody who does it very well for a living their opinion about it for my very first one. Um, and there were no hard feelings. In fact, I was like beaming from ear to ear. And then I told Wilson, I said, you all look at my spurs too. <laughs> and then I went and put it back on the table. And my friend um, said, oh, that must have gone well. And I said, oh, he didn't like it at all. So I grabbed my spurs and I trotted my happy butt right back. But I, I was so excited. It, one of the things that I'm truly passionate about that I I know people have a hard time with, and I'm not amazing, I have a hard time with it sometimes too, is that if somebody takes the time and your criticism is not harsh or mean in tone, it's just mm-hmm. simply criticism, it, it's coming from a place where somebody sees something in you that it's worth them sharing their opinion because they think that you can be better. Yeah. The second somebody starts sugarcoating things, Wilson already knows how I feel about sugarcoating, but the second we start (laughs) sugarcoating things with each other and we're not honest with each other is the second that people are are losing faith in each other to do things. So, So, yeah, no, to have that criticism of that bit was awesome because it made me matter. Yeah, it made you better. Well, I'm sure I may or may not have heard, oh, bullshit, Wilson, tell me what you think. So, <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Kelly Martin made us take a picture together, so now we have a picture, uh, and I'm just smiling away, holding my spurs. But well, you know, I'm still proud of them. But they're still my first. I one. should be. Well, then, and I could pull out my first one, and and you would giggle at it, right? Oh, no, we'd mean, laugh. I'm telling you, it I mean, it, every time it well, it it does, and it and it's you know everybody's first one. Hopefully, your first bid is your worst one that you ever make, right? Um, oh, but the yeah. only way, only way it is your worst one is if you take that criticism and and build upon it and away you go. And obviously, if 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 
anybody listening to the podcast hadn't figured out this about you, you take, you take criticism as a constructive thing and build upon it and move forward. And, and, uh, from applying to the fellowship to, to whatever. Um, well, so, and that's what we all have to do. Oh, sorry. It's just me still right. talking and interrupting. But one of the main points of your podcast today is how do you get started? Well, the best way to free education is to start, make a mistake, fail at something, ask for help, take that opinion and learn from it. Opinions exactly. are free and everybody's going to give them to you if you ask. I'm also going to say don't go to Facebook for them because you're always great. You're the greatest thing ever at Facebook. But but uh, you pick <laughs> you pick if you're not. If you're not being told how you can improve, how are you going to improve? And sure, there's things that we can look at our own work, but if you're not exposed you don't know to what somebody you don't better know. than you, exactly, you have to expose yourself. And it's scary as balls, right? You're like, oh my gosh, this is not good. But uh, applying to the TCA was one of the most scariest things I ever did, but I knew I'd get a good critique out of the end of it, right? And and these 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 good old boy club turds uh, were going to we're going to know who I was, right? And that was very important to me. I wanted to become their friend. And where we go. So, want to become a TCA member? Uh, I'll get back to you on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, That's a perfect answer. Well, to be completely 100% honest, yeah, it is on my radar is potentially being an applicant in the future. I'm really excited about the fellowship. I can't wait to see what I learn and absorb from it and how my work changes. Um, a great example of changed work is Wilson has a really pretty belt buckle that I made him um, that he was awarded before yes. he even knew me <laughs> in his shop. Uh, and one of my favorite things is occasionally when somebody I know goes to Wilson's shop, they send me a picture and they go, Oh, look what I found. Um, and, <laughs> and now my work has changed immensely and I can see, yes. I can see it in that bell buckle. So now I cringe a little bit of that. So, so when I, maybe, maybe in a couple of years after the fellowship absorbs and I get to learn all this cool new stuff and right. It's hard because you don't know what, what you don't know. Well, it is hard and it's scary and it's commitment and, and uh, there's, but, but there's a lot of benefit that you obviously see or you wouldn't even be thinking about uh, applying. But so, but why, what's it do for you? What's a TCA do for you? Why, why become a member? Um, why, why would you want to? So there's a handful of reasons that I would personally want to become a member to something or an organization like that. Uh, one one of the things that I talk about with a lot of individuals is uh, the isolation in our workplaces. I um, mm -hmm. I'm not the world's most social person, but in the same regards, I do maintain a social aspect to my life that I I do want to talk to people about my work, and I do want to connect with individuals in the industry that are going through some of the same struggles I am. Because I can tell you right now, I have a handful of really cool friends that live here. Uh, none of them are makers. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's like, it's like speaking English as a second language. So yeah. to, to have an organization with people who are like-minded and also trying to change the trajectory of where these traditional trades are going while keeping the main part being traditional is important to somebody like myself. Um, the other thing is, don't you guys get really cool pins to put on your jacket? 
Oh yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're way really cool. Gold. So I feel like the number like one reason. Kind of fun. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> I try to give a pin. good one, but also I want a pin. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, they're, they're cool. No, and there's lots of different reasons for different people to be a part of an organization. Uh, another reason why it's important to somebody like myself to reach for things that I feel like might be just outside of my box or my jurisdiction or what, however you want to phrase it or just out of my reach is that I'm not, I'm not your typical applicant. Nothing about me is typical for you guys. Um, and I've had a handful of people contact me after you guys announced the fellowship recipients with Larry and I, and I had a handful of people say that if somebody like you if they would pick somebody like you, like, thanks, guys, the weird kid. <laughs> if, if they'll pick the weird kid and, and based off of all of these things, then then I stand a chance. Then it, it could yeah. be an organization for me as well. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that's how people viewed it because, well, you've talked to me. I'm really intense, so sometimes I miss things. So I didn't notice that that's how people viewed the organization completely like i've heard the good old boys club i've heard this i've heard that why are there no women well nobody's really applied or this or that like there's all these reasonings for everything but after receiving the fellowship it was the first time that a handful of people reached out and said you know what if an artist or maker like you can apply for that fellowship and receive it then i feel like i can too um and that was pretty cool it is cool I, when i became member in 2004 at a and spur making buddy it was very talented that that uh came up to me and, and he said, Willie, if you can get it, I know I can too. And uh, he's never applied, but it gave him hope, right? He was like, this is, this is good. And, uh, and he kind of, it kind of came across the same way as like, man, if you can get it, I can for sure. Yeah. And he was probably right. But no, it, but it's, it's cool because you, you don't think of those things, right? You think of what anybody, I mean, I don't know how to say this in an appropriate or way that's going to be constructed in any way, but like some of us look really good on paper and some of us don't. And there's different aspects to our lives that illustrate our careers in a more Western way or a more cowgirl way. And um, I don't know. I've got a nose ring on. I've got some tattoos. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Uh, I think my biggest offense is that I like Charlay cattle. Um, and then I'm from California, but <laughs> I didn't grow up on a generational ranch and I didn't grow up doing all these things. So I, I feel like I can resonate in a way that some people can't. Um, so if I'm going to push myself and apply to something in a group that I, um, I don't traditionally fit in, but I do, if that makes sense. So yeah, no, those I, are all my I, reasons. But we'll move the I, pin to the top because I, I would like a pin. That'd be kind of cool. You, <laughs> <laughs> we'll make hers bigger, Carrie. She have a bigger pin. Well, you know, Jill, and one of the one of making her own. Yeah, she'll have, have to make her own. own. You'll be a silversmith. You have to make your own. Well, you don't want one of Scotts or Bows. You know, you want to make it yourself. You have to do it better. Well, if everybody makes me one, I'll pick, and then I'll just wear all five of them. Uh, well, it just has to be those two. So, Ben Spurmakers, we can't do it. We're not qualified. So there you go. So you know, but, but that is a that is an interesting thing that you you bring up about the group. You don't fit. You're not a part of it. Well, I bet there's a twelve guys in the group would say that about themselves. We all feel like we're individuals and different in a lot of ways. And we throw a a, a guy like our emeritus member Ricky Bean in there. And, 
we do have a centric, right? We love old Rick, but he, he builds saddles way different than anybody else, right? Kerry with his, with yeah. his themes and all that, but he was better than anybody else in the world at doing that. So is he a member? Absolutely. Right. Fitz. He was a rock star in our group. If he's listening, I'm mad at you, Ricky Bean. Class of 04, and you left me all by myself. I'm here all by myself. <laughs> Ricky, the human being. <laughs> the human being, that's right. <laughs> He'll be so uh, mad at us. Joe, I, I, I absolutely love your attitude. Uh, it's exemplary. Uh, yep. I, I, don't, I can't argue with anything you've said here today. No. Nope. And uh, remember the question we asked Cindy last week, Cindy Kittredge, mm-hmm. what is the Which, one thing that you think people struggle with most? Jill yeah. answered that. Oh, yeah. Telling our story. Telling her story. That's what we struggle with more than anything. It's come yeah. out here in this conversation as well. And, 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 and people may not believe us, Jill, when we say we're actually socially awkward. Um, I'm going to say that you and I are not socially awkward now, but that's where we came from is that you, anybody can throw or they can throw me and you in front of crowds and we can probably get around and get around the situation. And we're just going to be honest in who we are. We may not be able to lead the conversation on rocket science, but we can at least participate, um, to our own ability of who we are. And it may be, I don't know a damn thing about rocket science, you weirdos. But at least we're part of the conversation, <laughs> and and uh, it, it, that I, I hope that it's encouragement for others. I'm mean, Carrie. You're the same way, right? You're not exactly. You didn't come from a place where you want to be in front of a big crowd and have to have the microphone. That's not where you come from. But somebody throws the microphone in front of your hand, you can you can do it. And uh, and, and I, I want folks to know that that it is very important to be able to talk about who we are and what we do uh, as as cindy said last week and that's what jill's saying now be personal be honest just be you it's easy you're already there well well shorty, we're do we wrap up, up against the old uh, clock here and uh we we burned up two hours like the- <laughs> no, you- no, it's not. <laughs> not even a little bit it was like 37 minutes and I did all the work myself. <laughs> yeah, she did do all the work herself. Yeah, well, it was, it was just shy of half an hour over. I would also like to point out because I have a tendency to ramble. Um, uh, in, in, if I'm not asking a question, I'm trying to answer questions. Um, but I tend to not just stop talking ever. Um, but I did. I did note that it's almost been an hour and I have toned it way down. So I would just <laughs> like a gold star for that. You do get a gold star. You don't give yourself enough credit, Jill. You really, no. you express yourself extremely well. You're, you're very articulate and, and it's no wonder that you are the rising rock star, one of the rising rock stars in the silversmithing world. So congratulations for that. Thank you. I've, I've really been enjoying everything that I'm learning and all of the people that I'm meeting. It's been pretty cool. You and Amy are, are, I'm Amy's a recipient this year at the fellowship. And uh, and now we have you. So the ladies are taking over and hallelujah. We could, we could use some, uh, we could use the ladies' touch, right, Shorty? They fit the Absolutely. criteria. Absolutely no welcome. No. 
and 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 what you're i mean you be careful you get in you apply one one day and we get you in here we're gonna wind you up and put you up front and let you talk because that's awesome i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a filter uh, if it needs to be said, <laughs> awesome. I will say it. Um, so I, my apologies in advance because well, I kind of missed the boat on that. You know, Wilson is absolutely right. I I told Ricky Bean, you, you need to be careful what you wish for here. And yeah. then when he did get in, he cornered me one time and he says, you were right. <laughs> I was not careful what I wished for here. Well... We won't tell her all that stuff, Carrie, till she gets oh. in, and then we'll then we'll say. Yeah, I already said too much. Yeah, we be better careful. go clock in, troops. We got to clock in. We got a living to make. We don't want to get a real job. That's right. All oh, right. I don't want to go to the shop. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is it? Which is it? Well, thank you so much, Jill. Appreciate everything. Great idea, Carrie. I'll give you credit for having she, her on. She might, she might be a repeat offender on here. I, I, oh, we we got to get Scott on before we have her. She'll be so oh, offended if we. Hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have it all um, trouble shot now, so I can. I'll, I'll be able to actually log in when we're supposed to log in. You know that could be, be a, the test where an hour with, instead of two hours. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, and we could. Um, get if we can get Scott on quickly, then we're good, right? I mean, he'll be okay. We'll have to warn him that Jill's gonna be able to get right back on. So, yeah, I'll just leave the app on my phone. We're good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank cool. you guys for having me. All thank right. you, Jill. Very good. Take care, everybody. Adios. <laughs>